Live from Lisbon, this is The Twilight Show with Lucy Newberger. Good evening, everybody. It's me, Lucy Newberger, and I'm back with you for Tuesday's Twilight Show. This evening, we're discussing one earth is the role of a teacher now. Live from Lisbon, this is The Twilight Show with Lucy Newberger on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Do you know what? It's so lovely to hear that Teachers Talk Radio intro again. It feels like I've been away for a very long time and it's only been two weeks. But I suppose when you're away from something you love, like I love Teachers Talk Radio, then it does feel like forever. More importantly, good evening once again. You're back with me, Lucy Newberger. It's Tuesday evening. It's a very weird evening here in the Greater Lisbon area. I walked outside for playground duty earlier today to be greeted with a sort of greyish, smoggy sky. And I turned to one of the LSAs and I said, is something on fire that we don't know about? And uh, couldn't smell anything. So we thought, what on earth is this? It must be just some weird weather phenomenon. Let's try that again. Phenomenon. There we go. Enunciate clearly, Lucy. (laughs) That would help. Anyway, it turns out that uh, there are some uh, dust and sandstorms blowing up from the Sahara, which is blocking our view of the sun at the moment. It's not quite a sort of apocalyptic scenario, but uh, if I remember to, after the show, I'll post you a photo and you can see how strange the sky is. Hey, Harry Waters has joined us this evening. He's just said his car is orange, so I'm guessing Spain is uh, <laughs> Spain is suffering more than we are. We've just got a bit of a weird sky, Harry. I'm guessing you're having everything coated in some kind of weird dust. So <laughs> very, very strange weather phenomenons. But apparently it happens quite frequently. Oh, and it's raining too, so you're getting sludge now. Wonderful. Brilliant. Well, uh, I will let you know how it progresses here, but at the moment it just looks... Yeah, the sky's just a bit of a funny colour, so I'm hoping that it's not the end of the world and that it is just indeed a sandstorm of sorts. Anyway, back to it. So after two weeks off, what have I been doing? What have I been up to? Well, I had a much needed break, as you as you know, and as I mentioned on previous shows, my half term was not last week, the week before. So right at the end of February, I mean, my goodness me, they dragged out that half term. It was it was very, very long. And by the time we got to the end of it, we were crawling. At one point, I've managed to kill off half my class. Uh, One birthday party sent them all down with COVID. Uh, Then they kind of came back in drips and drabs. And it just all was a bit of a disaster trying to play catch up. And in the end, I got to that last Friday and well, actually, that last Friday was parent consultations, I got to that last Thursday, and I was very much done. So off I trotted to Valencia, which I really enjoyed. 
a fantastic city if ever you get a chance to go. I know that uh, Harry is seething that I didn't choose uh, Seville as my half-term choice, but it's on my list, Harry. It's, it's, I'm getting to it, I promise. When I, have a, when I have a moment, that is that is the one I want to do next. But Valencia, I honestly, I actively encourage you to go. I stayed very centrally and it meant I could walk everywhere, I could kind of satellite out to all the things that I that I wanted to do. Of course, it's off season, so it wasn't especially busy. Also, I thought it, I, I found out when I went to the tourist office to see if I could get on a walking tour. I ended up not getting on that walking tour. I ended up actually doing a, a thing where, and I didn't know this existed, you might know, uh, where you can actually go on a, what is essentially a free walking tour and you pay what you think it's worth. And I know that exists in various cities. And I did that. And that was actually pretty good. It didn't take you into any of the sites. It just kind of gave you a, an overview, which is kind of on a first day there what I wanted. So then I could go back and, and do the things in detail that, uh, that I wanted to do. But going back to thinking that Valencia wasn't particularly busy. I didn't think so until I found out that it was the start of Las Fallas, which is, I think, unique to, to Valencia itself. I'm not quite sure, and I'm sure Harry will jump in and tell me if not, which uh, is basically the Festival of Fire. And this uh, ultimately culminates uh, on the, I think, about the 19th of March, where the Valencians uh, have these mad sort of horrible looking sculptures that they set up around the city and basically they just set fire to the lot of them so they essentially burn these things to the ground which seems wholly unsafe but apparently that is what Spaniards like to do but in and around all of this every day from the 1st of March until the 19th something called the Mascleta happens each day and what this is is I mean, honestly, it's absolutely bananas. They, the Valencians shut the entire city down. And what I mean by that is that everything stops. You have police blocking off the streets. The police helicopter was up every single day and everyone pours out of office buildings everywhere and they stand in the street and in one of the central squares, which I can't remember the name of and it will come back to me, and they just let off these fireworks. And I mean... Honestly, uh, it's <laughs> Lawrence has just said, is it like Guy Fawkes? It puts Guy Fawkes to shame because the banging, the volume of these fireworks is like something I have never heard in my entire life. This is in broad daylight. So, you know, God forbid any any local dogs. I mean, my goodness me. I've it, When I say that it, these bangs shake you to your core, honestly, if you're standing on that street and you are of a sensitive disposition, forget it. But it is the most incredible thing to see. And it lasts for about sort of 10 minutes each day. And then that's it. The streets open again and everyone kind of buzzes off back to, to where they came from. And uh, fantastic stuff. <laughs> Harry said, like burning Guy Fawkes but on steroids. They're called petardos. Is that the name of the fireworks, Harry? Or, so, or something else you're telling me the name of? I See, this is how... Oh, the name of the fireworks. Thank you. Honestly unbelievable stuff and unbelievable scenes but it was it was great to be to be a part of and I'm slightly gutted that I wasn't there for the for the culmination of the festival but uh, as we know in in this part of the world Spain Portugal we we love a festival we love a we love a public holiday any excuse to to not go to work really uh I know I shouldn't say that it's not strictly true but with the number of public holidays in Spain and Portugal it does sometimes feel particularly towards the summer months 
that you're sort of in three days here, two days there, and lovely as it is in many ways, they always tend to fall kind of Tuesday or Wednesday, which is not really very helpful. But there will come a point where they will fall on a Friday or a Monday. So fingers crossed that some of them, and I think there's one here in Portugal that actually does fall. There's an entire long weekend sometime in June that I'm very much pinning my hopes on to do something very relaxing. So that was that. Back at school, I mean, usual chaos has ensued. I mean, I do... I don't know about the rest of you, but I feel kind of the first, that first sort of set of terms, I don't know what, what I really call them anymore, because we work in, in old terms here. So term one, we have term one, two and three sort of big terms. But that run from kind of September through to February, I think everybody found one of the hardest in I mean, that was probably the hardest of my career, despite the fact that I work in a very sort of different setting to, to, to how I used to. But in terms of the, the level of tiredness, the people in and out, the illness, everything, it was just constant. It was just a never ending shower of nonsense. And I honestly, February half term, I think for me was the, the kind of, OK, right you've had your time and now it's time to be a little bit more energetic. I think it also helps that the the mornings are lighter, the evenings are lighter and it just it just fills you with a bit more oomph. And of course here it is getting a little bit warmer although uh, we have had some spectacular rain as well. But hopefully not long, um not for long. But also the other thing is, is it dawned on me this afternoon that actually I've only got three and a half weeks now until my Easter holidays, which is great, but also mildly terrifying because in that time, not only have I got to assess my class again, I've also got to crank out the second report of the year because we do we do three. So I'm not uh, not looking forward to that, but I'm sure it'll be absolutely fine. Uh, the hilarity being is that we actually have parent consultations just before half term. So how much new information is going to go into these reports? I'm not entirely sure, but we are where we are. Um, in other news, I know I normally recommend other Teachers Talk radio shows or other podcasts that I'm listening listening to, but this time I'm going to recommend you a book. And unfortunately, it's not teaching related. Some of you may cheer, some of you may be like, well, what's the point, Lucy? But I'm going with it. And you'll laugh when I tell you the title. It's, and I... <sighs> I'm that terrible teacher, and I know they're going to be English teachers and other teachers that are, <laughs> Lawrence has just said, oh, a book, he's perked up. <laughs> Lawrence Perks has perked up. Uh, that was a terrible joke, Perk, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry for that. He's groaning, I can hear him from here. Um, but he is actually a prolific reader and puts me to, to shame. I am that terrible teacher who only reads on holiday, and I know there are people out there who are cringing to say, Lucy, for goodness sake, call yourself an educator. I know, I know, and honestly, I could give you a reel of excuses, but I'm not going to insult your intelligence. I'm just going to say that I am that person who asked for a pile of books at Christmas and so far has read two of them. Two of them? Maybe not even two of them. Maybe only one of them. I don't know. Has read very few of them, shall we say. So I have just finished Bella Mackey's How to Kill Your Family, uh, which was great fun. And look, it's is it going to, to, to move mountains in the literary world? 
uh, and be up there with the classics? No, it isn't. Is it a great fun read to take on holiday or to enjoy curled up in a chair with a with your hot beverage of choice? Yes, it is. Is it a great book to sit there laughing to yourself in a cafe in Valencia or in a restaurant when you're out for dinner by yourself? Yes, it is. Um, and I did find, actually, that I identified with the lead character, Grace, not because, uh, as my dad took it, because I want to murder members of my family. I absolutely do do not. And I blame my mum for this. She She's also reading the book. And she, she said to me, or I said to her, rather, oh, I think I, you know, there are traits of, of grace the protagonist that, that I identify with and my mum said oh that, that's great I told your dad that and he didn't see the funny side and I said well probably because you didn't explain to him that it was nothing to do with wanting to to kill people it was to do with her low tolerance for for nonsense and her her sort of dismissiveness of celebrity culture that was what I was getting at not anything else so she did not explain herself clearly there but uh, I should also say that while I was in Valencia reading this book uh, out for dinner one night, because as much as it is great, and I'm, I am one of those people who has no problem sitting in a cafe or in a restaurant by themselves, I relish it so much. And I actually really enjoy the people watching. I enjoy being able to order, not that you can't order what you like when you're with other people, but you can pretty much, no one's going to judge you if you, as I did on one particular night, go entirely through the menu from top to bottom, including booze. So there you go. But uh, there was one woman who saw me reading this book and she said to me, uh, she came rushing up to me and she said, oh my gosh, I loved it too. Wait for the, wait for the, you know, the, the kind of towards the end, it gets really, really good. And I said, okay, okay. And of course, you know, it, it does. And I'm not, you know, no spoilers because I really, if you get the chance to, to have a read of it, do. And of course, my absolute high point was when I tweeted about having finished it and Bella Mackie responded. So I was really, really chuffed with that. So in terms of celebrity land, getting a, an, an author to reply to you is, is up there for me. And that shows just where I sit in the whole realm of of celebrity land I don't understand it and uh, increasingly I find I don't know about the rest of you but increasingly I find that if ever I see a music video or certain TikTok things or certain Instagram things I'm very quickly reminded that I am over 30 shall we say and I, I don't enjoy the fact actually that millennials are becoming the butt of all jokes at the moment because yes I am a millennial but I still you know at 33 I still don't think I am that old but my class as far as the, my group of 10 year olds are concerned I might as well live under a rock but that's around for another day as always I am still, yes, despite the fact I've been off and despite my better judgment, I'm still going to plug away with what's for dinner because I like it. It makes me happy, even though not many people participate. And actually, I don't think normally my, my best friend, Eleni, texts me to tell me what she's having and she hasn't. So I'm going to tell her off later. So if you would all like to drop into the into the chat what you are having for dinner, please do tell me. I am currently marinating tofu which I know some of you will groan, but trust me, I used to think tofu was reserved for, well, for people who just didn't enjoy food and just needed something nutritionally dense. But actually, once you learn how to cook it, and if you marinate it properly, and if you accompany it with the right things, I promise you, dear listeners, that it is absolutely great. So mine will be 
It's currently marinating in soy sauce, chili sauce, ginger, more chili. I don't think I put any garlic in there. I can't remember because I was doing it in a rush before this show. So that will soak everything up. Fry it off with some, uh, or fry it off, um, have some stir-fried broccoli as well, chopped over some noodles or some rice, whichever I can be bothered to cook after this, and mwah, chef's kiss, absolutely delightful. So let's see what everyone else is having. Uh, Perks, you're having cheese stuffed crust pepperoni pizza, good stuff. Uh, Mrs. Sorcher, sweet and sour chicken tonight. Do you mean actual chicken tonight or do you just mean... <laughs> Oh, I haven't heard about chicken tonight in years, but I think you just mean that you're having sweet and sour chicken tonight. I'm not, <laughs> I think that's, I think that's what you meant. So good stuff. I'm glad we're all getting, <laughs> yes, she's saying yes, she means she's, that's what she's having for dinner, not anything to do with the brand chicken tonight. Was it brand? I can't remember, to be honest. I have no idea. Uh, but yes, it was a, a wonderful jarred, I think it was jarred sauces or something like that. I can't can't remember but that that's a throwback that that shows you how old I am there you go remembering things like that but I do have a a penchant for nostalgia particularly as as the 90s do seem to be making a massive comeback <laughs> this is sort of saying yes I can hear the advert tune in my head yes I can as well oh gosh that's gonna be that's gonna be an annoying earworm for the rest of the week <laughs> but it does seem doesn't it that 90s nostalgia is coming back um, I want, I keep seeing uh, children in my school, particularly the girls, walking around in bucket hats and, you know, those uh, plastic bead bracelets, the, the really colourful ones. And I, I think, you know, that's great, but we had it first. We had bucket hats first. Before, before you guys were even a glint in your parents' eyes, we had bucket hats. But uh, this is where I feel I'm dangerously entering old bag territory. So instead of that, what I'm going to do is we will have some have some news first of all and then we will get into the nitty-gritty of the show so news time and then i will tell you a little bit more about what we're going to talk about this evening this episode of teachers talk radio has been made possible with support from witherslack group the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.withaslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk. Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. 
our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure the bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. In Wales, as a response to the cost of living crisis, fuel and energy prices soaring, and the imminent UK government tax rises, a £13 million package to help families pay for school uniforms and PE kits is to be announced. Families who are eligible for help through the PDG Access Grant will be provided with a one-off £100 top-up payment in 2022-23 to help with the costs of sending their children to school. The Pupil Development Grant is to be extended to learners in all school years who are eligible for free school meals. The PDG Access Grant is £125 per learner and rises to £200 for those learners entering Year 7. Education Minister Jeremy Miles said, In the midst of this Tory cost of living crisis, household budgets are under significant pressure and many parents will be worried about how they can afford the things their children need for school. Those families in in receipt of the PDG Access Grant will already be using the £200 to help pay for their children's school uniform. This extra payment will help cover the other costs, such as PE kits, school shoes and other equipment, helping household budgets to go a little bit further. I'm pleased we can provide a bit more help to families at this difficult time and remove some of the financial barriers to education. In anticipation of the arrival of 100,000 refugee children arriving in Britain from Ukraine, England's Education Secretary, Nadim Sahawi, has announced that the auto-translate software is being rolled out on online learning hub Oak National Academy to help pupils who speak Russian or Ukrainian. Speaking at the Association of School and College Leaders annual conference in Birmingham on Friday, Mr Sahawi said, We will continue to support Ukrainians in any way we can. I know schools are doing what they can to support and make sense of what they are seeing. And we are working with schools to ensure that the tens of thousands of Ukrainian children we will welcome to our shores will have a place in our education system. To support schools' efforts 
I'm delighted to announce that Oak National Academy has today rolled out an auto-translate function across all 10,000 of its online lessons. This will allow Ukrainian children arriving in the UK to access education in their native language as they transition into life and safety in the UK. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to look at fake news and scammers. We all know what a scammer is, but do we really know what fake news is? The NSPCC website explains fake news in an easy to understand way if you want to look a little deeper. However, basically it's disinformation as opposed to misinformation. Misinformation shared without knowledge or intent to harm. Disinformation is shared intentionally. Fake news is nothing new, but for most it's seen as a propaganda or a political tools to influence opinion. However, it's becoming more popular with scammers. I decided to see what happens when you actually follow a fake news advert. I've noticed recently popular social media apps and search engine adverts encouraging investment in cryptocurrency. One ad caught my eye as I was looking at the news headlines on a popular browser. It read, Elon Musk invests 12 million in a new trading platform. I trusted the search engine, so I clicked on the link. Because let's face it, anything Elon invests in is worth looking at. I was taken to a website showing how the company Bitcoin Motion had created an investment robot that invests when Bitcoin climbs and sells when Bitcoin falls. Because Bitcoin is a massively volatile currency, you can earn a large profit in a very short time. It sounds almost too good to be true. On the site, there's a report where Elon himself tells a popular American news presenter to invest $250, and within eight minutes, she's made a profit of $100. Scrolling down, there were testimonials from Dragon's Den, Money Supermarket, and other well-known established names. Next, a button to fill in a simple web form to sign up. I spent some time researching Bitcoin Motion. It was clearly fake. All endorsers had published statements saying they were nothing to do with it. So, I signed up. Within 30 seconds, I had a phone call from another company called FinoFX. Strangely, though, there was a distinctive call transfer noise. A silence before the connection. Why, if they phoned me? Hello? Hello? Hi, today am I speaking to Mr. Steve? Steve what? That's me. Steve, you're speaking to... And I was called Mr. Steve. I should have hung up. Anyway, I was then time pressured so I didn't miss out to give the big long number across my credit card, which I didn't do. So I was sent a WhatsApp message with a secure payment link. Again, I was pushed to open it on my cell phone and pay. I made my excuses and ended the call. A further five messages and calls, some from London, some from Sheffield, came, never leaving a message. The WhatsApp saying, I see you've not made your transaction. I'm calling to assist you. The recording I have is my final call with the supposed investment company. On the 20th of March at 8pm on Tom Rogers' show, we're going to listen to this and discuss the topic. Why not join us? I'm going to leave you with a final thought. I was told to look at the website and see there was a padlock showing it was safe. The padlock and certificate is proof your connection is encrypted. It's not proof of how trustworthy the person on the other end is. Anyone can buy an SSL certificate. Please be careful. As always, don't forget to check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods and that was two minute tech two minute tech with steve woods your tech briefing on teachers talk radio good evening you're back with me lucy newberger it's tuesday and it is the twilight show as always wonderfully wise words from two minute tech so uh steve is a genius as always and we do need to watch out for those scammers that is for certain. Just on a quick side note, something I forgot to mention at the start of the show, 
It's actually, and I couldn't quite work out, Tom Rogers and I were trying to discuss whether it was uh, my 21st or my 22nd show. So we're, we're somewhere in the realms of my 21st birthday here at Teachers Talk Radio. So I said to, to, to Tom, I was like, does that make me a kind of a grown up now in terms of Teachers Talk Radio? Does that mean I actually have to have a, a vaguely sensible show and uh he's uh, I well I don't know Tom if you're if you're listening let me know your thoughts on whether I, I need to be more sensible now I'm technically uh I have the key to the key to life or the key to, to adulthood in ter- in <laughs> in teachers talk radio terms and I also said to him that uh or he said to me rather that uh when I started the thought of rabbiting away for an hour and a half by myself without a guest would be something that I'd find absolutely abhorrent. And uh, he's right, I would, despite the fact that we as teachers stand on our feet for more than an hour and a half each day and deliver to, well, it's a, in the case of secondary school teachers, a variety of audience, audiences, but if you're primary like me, you have the, the same audience. Uh, and they are a tricky crowd, it has to be, it has to be said. That is very, very true. So yes, so I'm deeply, deeply entrenched now in, in Teachers Talk Radio and hopefully here's to the to the next 21 more shows and beyond. So happy, happy birthday to me, I guess. Anyway, moving on to the point of this evening's show. And as usual, this idea came about and it's something that I revisit and visit in other shows. I know it's something that comes up in a lot of other host shows it's sort of a it underpins a lot of what we talk about but I wanted to unpack this a little bit more particularly not only in very very recent times but also in the last couple of years the the role of us as teachers I mean it's never been something that's been particularly clear-cut even when even as far back as when I applied to teach because bless my little cotton socks when I originally thought about becoming a teacher, I thought it would be for better work-life balance because I was sick of commuting to and from London and working for Adam PR agencies and basically having no life at all once I'd got home from, from my ridiculous commute. And, and you know, I thought that I'd be sort of strutting off home at, at, uh, at 3.30 and that would be that. <laughs> oh, how the mighty fell. I mean, I have to say in the international school community, of course, the reason many people do it is because the work-life balance tends to be better. Not for everybody. I know that there are stories where it's proved not to be the case, but certainly in my case, it is a, it is a, a, better, a better balance. But the reason this discussion came to, to mind for me was after my recent parent consultations. So I'm circling back to, to those. And I found when I was talking to my current set of parents, yes, they are concerned about their children's academic achievements. They want to know how they're doing. Of course they do. That, that's the whole point of the conversation. Or so I thought. What it a lot of these conversations deviated into was more about home life and my thoughts on everything from how long children should be spending gaming to what they should be watching on TV. And it almost in some cases felt a bit like either a a therapy session or a almost like almost like I was consulting. And I was sitting there thinking, at what point 
do I turn around and say it's 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 not my job to tell you how long your children should be gaming each night it's not up to me to tell you how to do that is that part of my role I don't know because uh, again when I first got when I first got into teaching I maybe naively again thought that my role started when I walked through the door and as soon as I I leave that's it but of course we live in an age now where parents can contact you at all hours of the day and night and certainly through COVID and beyond, I've had that happen. And they're worried about how their children are responding to growing up in the in the internet age. And it left me wondering, sort of what what is my what is my job now? I, I don't really know. And there was one particular parent who really pushed me on on the on the gaming side of things. And I said, I said to that parent, I said, look, if I give you an answer in terms of how I feel about gaming and you know how long children should be spending doing it. I leveled with him. I said, my worry is, is that that information then gets out and it gets misconstrued, misinterpreted. And before I know it, I've got someone else coming back to me saying, well, why are you saying that children should only be gaming for two hours? You know, that's none of your business. And he said to me, well, you know, just, just, just between you and me. And I ended up caving and saying, look, maybe one to two hours. And I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. And, you know, I'm not, I don't feel I'm in the position to, to answer some of these questions. And I'd be interested to know what you think, because at what point is a certain topic not in my remit? At what point would you turn around and say, actually, do you know what? I can't have an opinion on this. I don't have an opinion on this. And of course, these are very, the things that I'm throwing out at the moment are very minor things, I suppose, in, in, the, in the grand scheme of things, or at least appear to be. But there are many people out there who do have strong opinions about what we should and should not be teaching uh, and how much energy we should be vote devoting to certain topics in class. And rarely do they consider just how far our role has stretched. And now, of course, I went on my usual little sleuthing mission around the Internet and to see what I could dig up on this. Uh, I should also say, please jump in at any point and share share your thoughts, because I do not intend for this to be a monologue for the next however long. So please do come in and join the party, as it were. So on my tour of the internet, I found various bits and pieces, as I usually do, including this article from 2019, which is from RSA Education. And it's actually entitled, Are We Asking Too Much of Teachers? And it says, how should we educate our children is a source of endless debate, strict discipline versus inclusivity, traditional knowledge versus 21st century skills. You know, where are we fitting in now with the way the world's working and adjusting our teaching methods in order to fit in with that. And I know in a previous week I was talking about uh, gaming in class or playing playing games, but also talking about the role of, of digital games and online games and whether that should be being brought into class. Should we be moving along with the times? Should we be adjusting our role and continuing to develop in order to, to include these things? Or should we be sticking with traditional teaching where where in terms of our role development there where have we where have we got to where have we got to there um and it also goes on to talk about the fact that 
our role now has so many additional responsibilities outside of actual teaching that it's stealing our bonding time with students. Now, I don't know about you, but certainly when I was in the UK, I felt that very little of my time was actually spent teaching. There was a lot of pontificating about teaching in staff meetings. There was a lot of additional admin that was sort of masters as necessary stuff that we should be doing. But a lot of it, and maybe this is just my cynicism, but a lot of it I felt did not benefit my teaching in any way. It did not inform my role in any way. It did not make me a better teacher. Uh, Lawrence has jumped in to say it's a difficult place to be a kid these days so personally I do think it's an educator's role is adapting to fit in uh, with that particularly it is adapting to fit in with that in terms of pastoral yes this is this is a, a difficult one to, to to unpack so going back to that the the pastoral side is I think certainly in the wake of COVID has increased tenfold. It's definitely increased tenfold. And in terms of the what these what kids need now, what what we're required to do, how available we need to be. And I do think, and I've said this before and I will say it again, that we are only just starting to see the psychological impact of nearly two years out of the classroom of that isolation, both on children and on ourselves. And the fact that they have forgotten how to be around each other, they've forgotten how to relate to one another, they're still, I don't know what, what your experience is, but certainly with my year fives, they are adjusting to being back in the classroom, they are adjusting to, to being around each other again. And I'm still find that my children are shouting across the class from each other. I had to break up a squabble between a boy and a girl in my class today who were sitting at opposite ends of the room. She, he had liked an idea that she'd said to do. We were doing um, Kenning poems or looking at language used in Kenning poems. And he'd liked an idea and wanted to magpie it. She'd taken great offence to that because she saw it as, as copying. And this resulted in them shouting at each other across my room today uh, to the point where I had to raise my voice and say, stop, we don't do this. We don't yell in here. We don't, when have we ever shouted at each other? And I'm big on not raising my voice in class. I used to do it a lot in the early days of teaching when I wasn't that experienced, I certainly did. But now I am definitely better at trying not to, because I don't, you know, it's not about who can shout loudest in the room. I've realized that we've actually deviated from what I was talking about. It's, it's all relevant. That's why I want you to jump in because I want this to go off on tangents uh, because that's what my ADHD brain loves. But I also will make sure, please do, do hold me accountable and make sure I circle back to what I was originally talking about. Otherwise we'll, we'll end up all over the place. So going back to this RSA article, uh, what else? Uh, <laughs> the bit about this that made me laugh was uh, there's a section in it that said, uh, where was it? Is this even the same article? Oh no, this was the board teachers article. Sorry, so I moved on to the board teachers article. And this was quite funny because it said, um, you know, teaching has changed a lot over the years from one room schoolhouses and gingham dresses oh, to overcrowded classrooms and wearing jeans on a Friday. 
Uh, I, I think there has been. I think I can't remember. A host a while ago did a dress code episode, but maybe we need to do another one because I definitely have some opinions on that. Um, teaching doesn't look like it used to. In some cases, the changes are for the better, but some things we'd actually like to have back. And again, I think teaching is, it is evolving all the time. It is changing, it is adapting, and I know we have to go with that. But things like, we're not allowed, to, apparently, according to this article, to show movies anymore. I think you are. I think that part of my role as a teacher, like today, for example, we were talking about the the origin, we were going back to the Kenning poem lesson, we were talking about the origin of the word and where these poems came from. And uh, we ended up, deviating because I was I was showing them uh, the runic alphabet and uh, the fact that there were lots of uh, old uh, Norse languages and, and cultures that that existed uh, a long long time ago I can't quite remember the time frame and we ended up deviating into a discussion about that and me showing them different things to do with that okay it's not a film not a hundred percent but it's still relevant to my lesson and I think as long as you are using tools in the right way you should not be um you should not be penalised for that and do not come at me for it because I will stand by that. Uh, things we can't use, things we can't do anymore. Use the smoking room while smoking's banned indoors. <laughs> you wonder who wrote this, honestly. Allow homemade goodies. Well, that was kind of taken out uh, due, to, due to COVID for a while, but we've actually brought back Yummy Fridays which is great. So once a month, three or four different teachers or members of staff bring in yummy treats. And I think that absolutely should be a thing. And although, okay, it's an additional thing to have to do, you've got to keep morale up somehow, haven't you? You really have. Uh, what else? What else is on this article? So I've double-sided it. Um, apparently, we're not allowed to make up our own curriculum anymore either. Now, again, <sighs> I, I I sort of, I think the role, you know, within our role, particularly if you teach in a British school or teach in the UK, we have the teacher standards, we have the national curriculum, we know what we are meant to be following. But I do think that that should allow for movement and shaking. And I certainly have, have made my feelings known about teaching the British curriculum here. Of course, in a British international school, I know I'm required to do that. But in terms of things like British history, British values, etc., it does not have the relevance to children that I'm teaching that it would in the UK. So I'm not going to sit and teach them about Tudor history. I'm not going to do that because it, it means nothing to them. So our last history unit was on Portuguese explorers and, and their discoveries and how it made Portugal what it is today and where they colonised and what that meant and all the rest of it. And it, it worked beautifully. It still was in keeping with the, the sort of, you know, looking at different sources, uh, understanding about different people, different times, different cultures, all of that. But it was relevant to them. And I think it's important that within our role that we do make those adaptions and that we do... Um, make sure that the curriculum is relevant. I do think that is part of our role. Lawrence has said, curriculum for Wales would disagree with being able to make up your own curriculum. Uh, but he also said, excellent individualization of your curriculum, Lucy. That needs to happen at local level across the UK. Absolutely, I agree. And maybe that is a longer conversation for another day. <laughs> but who knows? I mean, I, I... There are, if we spent time unpicking every single floor in teaching, I think we would be here for a very long time. What else have I found? 
up. This is something else I wanted to drill down into. And I'm sure a lot of you listening will have a very strong opinion on this. So we've we've looked at the the kind of the role of us in the classroom in and around the school on a kind of day-to-day basis in terms of curriculum, etc. The broad, the broad strokes, if you like. However, we have not really dug down into what I really, I suppose, wanted to talk about when I when I designed this show earlier. And this article goes back to uh, 2016. So it is, it's not that recent, but it's still fairly recent. And I still think this is perhaps even more relevant today than when it was first written. And it's a Guardian article that says teachers have to be a therapist one moment and a social worker the next. And when I talk about unpacking the the, the role of a teacher and the different hats that we wear, yes, we are classroom teachers. Our job is to educate at the nuts and bolts level. That is what we that is what we do. But my goodness me, isn't it so much more than that? And again, this is not. The, the difficulty I have when I try and explain my role to somebody or when I try and explain teaching to anybody that hasn't experienced it, I think I sometimes fall into the trap of almost that martyrdom thing, oh yeah, that word again, of saying, oh, well, you know, it's so hard and I wear so many hats and oh gosh, it's so difficult. And I don't want it to sound like that because I don't want to be none of us signed up to this to be hero worshipped or to be held up as oh aren't they so marvelous and wonderful I mean it would be nice to have a bit of validation and acknowledgement from time to time wouldn't it just but we know that that's not the case we know that no one is going to be there to hold our hands or to give us that hero worship or whatever it is that we're looking for in terms of validation but the fact of the matter is is that we do wear all these hats we are all these things we are sometimes and I've got into hot water on Twitter for suggesting that and this was probably my own fault and I don't know some of you probably will have seen the responses to the tweets I did about my parent consultations and of course when you type something let it be a lesson to you and to me that when you type something your intention doesn't necessarily always come across I put in a joke about knowing kids better than their parents do now when I wrote that down, it was tongue firmly in cheek. And the vast majority of people, teachers, got what I meant. But then, of course, there were a contingent of people who did not, who said, how dare I suggest that uh, that I, as a teacher, know these children better than their parents. And it wasn't what I was getting at. And I fell into the trap that I know I shouldn't have done. And I hold my hands up and I will quite happily tell you that I messed up there. But what I'm getting at there and in terms of this show and in the context of this show is that we do sometimes wear that hat as well for some children we are the closest thing they have to an adult who they can confide in who they can talk to and that doesn't mean that their parents aren't effective parents or aren't good to them it just sometimes means that they can't fulfill that role for whatever reason and there are many many reasons this happens and having reflected on that tweet and reflecting on what I said I do appreciate how that came across but at the same time there have been situations that I've been in where I've thought gosh I'm 
I'm not a parent. I don't know how to deal with this situation. I don't know what my role is here. I don't know how to protect this child. Is it my job to protect this child in this situation? Or is this, do I need to hand this out to somewhere else? And I know I say this so much, but this is again where teacher training maybe falls apart, maybe doesn't, but in no way does it prepare you for the number of hats that you have to wear on a daily basis. Um, Lawrence, again, teachers make more, make more, I think he means decisions. I think there was meant to be a decisions word in there. Second by second than a neurosurgeon. Oh, we're comparing ourselves to neurosurgeons now. I think I'm getting a superiority complex here. Take it from someone who's had neurosurgery. Well, there you go. So maybe you do have license to, to, to make that comment, Lawrence. But we are the ones that are uses a political football aren't we we are the ones that are kicked around and that are told that uh, we don't work hard enough we don't do the things that we're meant to do we don't we're not good enough blah 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 but I honestly I do feel it's a throwaway comment when I say well walk a, walk a mile in my shoes and then come back to me or walk a mile in any teacher's shoes and then come back to me because they just can't it doesn't mean anything when I say that but I think that the role I've definitely worn most recently, or the hat I've worn most, has been therapist and then, or, or psychologist. I am in no way a qualified psychologist. I am in no way able to give any kind of advice, any kind of support in that respect. I try. And certainly in those parent consultations, I had as I said, some very intense conversations with very worried parents about general well-being. And of course, I listen and I'm there to, to, to support. But there is a part of my brain thinking, I am so out of my depth here. I am so not the person that you should be having this conversation with. But I think that people, whilst on the one hand, are very quick to dismiss teachers, they're also, in the next breath, very quick to offload on them. Because often, we are another adult who is, who's not, kind of involved in their immediate family, but is involved enough to be able to, to sound off to. And I've definitely had occasions where I've had a, a parent telling me, you know, how terrible her ex-husband is and that she's taking him to court and all the rest of it. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh my goodness me, this is in no way anything you should be telling me. There's so much here that 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 just should be between you and your lawyer or you and your you and your psychologist or, or therapist I mean I love being an armchair psychologist as much as the next person in analyzing true crime documentaries but that is about as far as my psychology qualifications go and maybe a an elective module at university in my first year but I don't think that counts because the uh, to pass the module it was a multiple choice quiz so which I'm fairly sure the lecturer got off the internet so you know, uh, judge as you wish, but I certainly do not think I was in any way qualified to be advising there. But tell me what you think. What hats do you feel you wear? Uh, I certainly also feel I've worn the police officer hat, uh, where I've had to, to break up issues between parents, or I've had to kind of step in and say to a parent that actually, if a child carries on like this, then you know, there's every chance that, that there could be danger down the line in terms of, of uh, criminal offences and things like that. But at what point do I have to pedal back and think, actually, no, 
no, Lucy, it's not your place to say that. It's not your place to tell these parents this. It's so hard because when you're with a group of children every single day and you spend a lot, a, lot, a long, long time with them, you get to know these ins and outs. You get to know their, their innermost workings. And at what point is it okay to say, do you know what? actually, I, I need to hand this over somewhere else. This is not, this is not up to me. This is not my job. And of course, what you don't want to happen is to end up in situations where, you know, there are safeguarding concerns and things like that. Because once you're in that, once you're in that situation, there's a whole world of trouble. And it's just, it's incredibly, incredibly tough, I think, to, to know where that line is. And I don't know what any of you think, but it's really, I found it incredibly, incredibly hard. The other thing that we, that I find hard as, as well, is that, and I've written this down, and again, <laughs> I've done exactly the same thing as I always do, dear listeners, in that when I start, <laughs> when I start writing notes for the show, honestly, every time, and I need, I think I need to stop handwriting my notes because this is actually getting ridiculous. But they start out. I mean, my handwriting, and I've actually done a show on handwriting before. But my my handwriting is on a good day is, is not great, and quite honestly, it's you can actually see at what point I got distracted or I got, you know sort of lost in a thought somewhere because it honestly just turns into absolute chicken scratch. So I'm going to try and find what it is I wanted to say next in amongst the, uh, I mean, this might as well be written in the runic alphabet, to be honest, but hey-ho, we'll press on as we always, always do. Ah, here we go. I've said, um, in amongst all the things we are expected to do and the things that land on our plates, this is the thing. Ah, this is what I wanted to get to next. Is the things <laughs> the things we are and are and are not allowed to talk about in class. And there's quite often situations, particularly with the current situation in Ukraine, where we are told well, we're not where we're not really given much to go on, are we? I mean, I don't know about you, maybe your schools have been better about it than than mine has. But I've certainly had situations where <clears throat> topics have come up and increasingly things are happening younger and younger, certainly in terms of children's curiosity about puberty and sex education. And I think I told you in the past about Sex Ed Gate, where uh, a girl in my class took out a, a book from the library that she wasn't supposed to and... Uh, parents were very upset because the book to be fair the book was probably aimed at children slightly older but she wanted she had a curiosity she wanted to know some answers to some things and as I said to her mother at the time I was glad that she was getting her information from a factual source but of course there is that difficulty of kind of well was it age appropriate no the book was not age appropriate should it have been in the library no probably not should I have answered her questions Ugh, so difficult because I think that you you know that children are looking things up. You know that children are probably watching things on TV they shouldn't. And you know that you do, as a teacher, have a degree of responsibility to make sure they're not spreading misinformation. And my class's favourite pastime at the moment seems to be misinformation about anything and everything. 
They're also deeply tickled by the fact that there is a planet called Uranus, and I still can't say, see, I still can't say it with a straight face. I mean, um, to the point where I actually said across my classroom today to one of my children, stop talking about your bum. And uh, he did make he did he did laugh. But then I sort of thought to myself, was that an inappropriate thing to say? I, I don't know. He laughed. But then if he goes home and says to a parent, Miss Newberger said, stop making jokes about about bums or about my bum. She might, she might think, oh, what's going on? But isn't context everything, as they say? Um, so, yeah, I do feel I have to be very careful about what I say and that I do tiptoe around from time to time. But because often you will find that conversations you have in class get fed back very differently to parents. And, that, and I've definitely had occasions where I've answered questions or where I've tried to be measured and where parents come back to me and said, you know, what on earth do you think you were doing answering that question? And I've had to explain to them, look, here is what I actually said. And mo most of the time they've gone away and said, oh, OK, fair enough. That's not the version I was told. And like, ah, OK you know that, that's fine um and of course there are parents who are more than happy for you to discuss certain topics whether it be sex education lgbtqia plus etc even the situation in ukraine but there are always going to be families who are not happy with you discussing these things and so it's striking that balance I think that is very very difficult and it's so hard to know as a teacher where where to sit on this but in terms of the conflict in Ukraine which has been all you know been everywhere we were told by our head teacher to sort of not not bring it up not not talk about it and I I took a bit of an issue with this and we it it is tough because we do have Russian families in the school and uh, they of course I mean for well they for them for the most part are I think they are worried and they are concerned but they all they want is to know that their children are okay in school and not being picked on or having things said to them that shouldn't be being said and whilst i haven't openly gone you know kind of opened up the conversation with my class they have come to me and asked me questions and actually i did end up having a chat with them and i thought about this and i thought am i being irresponsible here or am i in not answering them and, and fobbing them off is that being irresponsible and where I landed on this was, no, if they are coming to me and asking me questions and wanting to have a discussion, I do believe my role as a teacher is to allow them to have that discussion, but at the same time to make sure that I am acting as a very clear, neutral mediator. And you might be able to tell me if you find this easier than I do, but I am a very opinionated person. I know where I sit on, on things. I know what I think. I know how I feel. I know what I think is okay and what's not. So to remain neutral, particularly in a situation like Ukraine, and I know a lot of us sit in the same spot. Some of us might not, but that's okay. It's, it's very difficult when children are saying to you, uh, things about uh, things about Putin and things about Ukraine, and uh, you have to 
sort of fields it in a way that doesn't express your opinion and doesn't make clear where you stand, but also still makes sure that they are not, no one's upsetting anyone, no one's calling anyone stupid or, or, or dumb or whatever it is. And where I got to and how to handle this chat was what I what I decided on in the end was to use the map because I have a big, I have a big, big, big map of the world on my wall, which my children absolutely love. They're learning capital cities. We refer to it all the time, all kinds of different things. And uh, I ended, ended up being more of a kind of ge slightly geopolitical, but more of a geography chat. So they wanted to know why Russia wanted to invade Ukraine. And I said, well, if you, if I show you Ukraine on a map, Here's Russia. Here's the rest of Europe. It's acting like a kind of bridge country. It is a bridge country between the two. And I said, a lot of the countries on this side are EU and or NATO members. And so we ended up talking about what the EU is, what NATO is. And it sort of ended up being more about that. I also said to them, uh, and this goes on the, uh, the, <laughs> the, the misinformation topic from earlier. I also said to them, you are entitled to your opinion and you are entitled to express that opinion, but your opinion doesn't make you right. And they sort of looked at me and said, what on earth do you mean? I said, you are, you are, you have the luxury of living in a country where you can say what you think and think what you like, and that's okay. But you also, that doesn't then make you, you know, God or whatever you want to call it, or make you right or make you correct. And uh, they eventually leveled with that. But then I also said to them, you know, you are kids who have grown up in the internet age and it's only going to progress and it's, you're only going to have access to more information and that's fine. But I said, be mindful, if nothing else, if you don't take anything else away from this conversation today, be mindful about where you get your information from. And again, they said to me, oh, miss, what do you mean where we get our information from? And I made it up. I said, are you going to take at so-and-so 89 on where I made it up at so-and-so 89 or whatever website or are you going to take information from whichever newspapers or reliable news sources you know you use and they said oh okay well you know maybe I'd use the news sources I said yes but you know news sources have been known to get things wrong as well and it's up to them to verify the information they're getting it's up to them to check and to make sure that what they are putting out there is truthful is factual and it's important to read a variety of different things as, as well. And I do, I do offer them links to, to first news and to child-friendly versions of these things in a bid to kind of say, right, you know, here's the kind of thing that maybe is more digestible for you. And then they sort of asked me what I read. And I said, oh, I, I kind of tried to, again, remain as neutral as I could. I said, oh, I read a variety of, sort of UK news sources. I, um, I actually spent um, when I was in Valencia I, the only news channel I could access that was uh, in English was actually France 24 which has a, um, a whole English sort of wing to it which I had no idea about because BBC wasn't available and it was uh, it was incredibly interesting just to, to have a have a different take on it and have a what France's take on the situation is so that was uh, enlightening for me as well. Um, let's see what Lawrence has to say. Re-Ukraine, I feel like it's constant um, from our staff and it makes me uncomfortable. No idea how our students with Ukrainian links feel. I feel like I need to hear any concerns from them and agree that we have to try and be neutral. 
um, a thought for another show maybe, and I won't get to on my soapbox about it, but I'm entitled to my opinion on Putin and responsible for educating people about the likes of rulers such as Putin, read as you will. Should I not be allowed to express that in a classroom? I don't know. Oh, it's, this is another thing that, as with the role of a teacher, I my understanding has always been that we have to at least appear apolitical, a-religious, a just neutral. We have to be the human equivalent of Switzerland in all of these things, and it's it's one of the things that I find most, as I've said, I find most difficult. Because we do have strong feelings about these things. We all do. We all have strong feelings about a variety of subject matters. But it's so easy to fall into the trap and you never know who's listening and you never know how it's going to get sent back to, to parents or to, to other people. So Lawrence, I suppose what I would say to you is be mindful and know your audience and of course it's it's different for me with with year five because they are aware they do know what's going on they they're not daft I can't bury my head in the sand with them but equally I because they understand what I'm saying to them and they are they do have their own minds I have to tread very very carefully and they do go home and tell their parents things if I had a class of year ones I'm not sure I would be well, I know I wouldn't be definitely wouldn't be having the same conversation I had with my year fives, but I know that uh, one of the year one teachers at my school it came up that um, one of the children turned to one of the Russian kids and said, uh, "Oh, your president is not very nice." And the way she tackled that was saying, "Well, hang on a minute, you know that might be sort of how you feel." But in this class, we, you know, we, we are respectful towards each other. And she had a chat with them like that. And it kind of, she managed to, to turn it around that way. Um, uh, I'm in secondary with lots of fake news coming from social media is all I'm saying. This is the thing. And Lawrence maybe have the conversation with them that I had with my year fives about the reliability of information and about where you're getting your information from. Because even outside of this whole Ukraine situation that's something that I think they need to understand and be aware of period from from the age that I'm teaching upwards maybe even younger because we know we as adults know that all this nonsense exists we were well aware that it's out there but I think that well we know how impressionable children are we know that they get lured into things and go down rabbit holes and it's very easily done no matter what kind of settings you have on things we know that young children have social media accounts even though they swear blindly no miss I don't I don't don't have Twitter I don't have Facebook uh-huh okay but you're all on TikTok so great um and how I know that's because they're all doing these TikTok dances all over the playground. So you know it's happening and you know that they're getting that they're being fed goodness knows what. But our responsibility is to make sure that they at least or at least you're conveying to them to think about what they are digesting, think about what they're taking on and whether that really is something they want to smush into their own opinion or formulate a thought around. 
And actually, the response from my year five to that has been phenomenal, I would say. I mean, they, <laughs> they've been very silly in other aspects of things this week. But I do, I do truly believe they hear me when I say, think carefully about where you're getting your ideas and information from. And actually, I had a parent come up to me last week and say, look, uh, my daughter came home and said, that you'd had this conversation about uh, about Ukraine, about kind of where they're getting their information from. And I, I support you in that. And I was very grateful to her. And I said, look, just so you understand, here's kind of how I approach She said, I know, don't worry, I, I, I trust you. Now, that's great. But I do believe I so easily could have had a very different response from a parent. So... If nothing else, I think that we, our role in all of this is to not land ourselves in any hot water and to be, and it's, it's, this is honestly the thing I find most stressful is to be so aware of what we are saying. And I, I get what you're saying, Lawrence, in terms of why should we have to tiptoe around our own thoughts and feelings? Why should we have to, you know, kind of walk on eggshells? we we shouldn't but i think that we have to also show that in polite society in sort of certain environments that there is a way of expressing an opinion or there is a way of presenting information to whichever audience you have uh regardless of you know your feelings on the matter and it's it you can almost turn it into into a lesson and these you will also find that the vast majority of of children that you speak to will intrinsically know right from wrong will intrinsically know you know where where they sit on things and what's okay and what's not because actually at the core children are not bad people it's only when they become adults that they become bad people or am i being grossly simplistic i don't know probably quite probably but my thoughts and feelings is that I don't think children start out as being horrible. I think that they get, you know, we. I think the cynicism and the kind of the the negative thoughts and feelings kind of come in as they as they get as they get older. Sad but true. So I think you will actually be pleasantly surprised by any conversations you will have in your teaching career with certainly with uh, children in key stage two, up key stage two. I I even on my my worst days and when they do get on my nerves i do remember that actually these are these are good people these are people who are finding their way in the world in a world that is increasingly hard for them in a world where they've spent 2 years staring at the walls already you know that for for someone who's 8 9 10 years old to spend quarter of your life or there or thereabout shut away in your house not being at school that's that's an enormous thing but then of course there's so much else that goes with it i tell you what i would not want to be growing up now i don't know about the rest of you but i nah i'm i'm quite happy attempting to adult at this point in time um my colleague, a history teacher, took down the Soviet Union flag she had as part of a display, a calculated decision, or so she said. So that was from Lawrence. I mean, um, if it's part of a display, I, do I think that was necessary? Probably not. If it was part of a kind of a, a bigger thing, probably not. And again, this sort of feeds into uh, the 
the moral panics or the hysteria that we end up having uh, having to be part of as teachers i mean you could there are so many rabbit holes you could go down there are so many things for example i know that uh, there are um that the year sixes at my school are doing world war ii and they've had to you know they've been depicting various images and there's been a worry of well you know, can we can we draw um, if we're drawing kind of depictions of certain things? Can we draw swastikas? Can we have those as part of displays if we're talking about Nazis and how that works and all the rest of it? And as someone with a Jewish background, I, I sort of thought about this and I thought, would I be offended? It's not a it's not a, a pro Nazi display. It's not sort of suggesting anything other than here's what went down. Here's kind of what what we're learning about. Here's here's sort of our journey through our learning I, I, I don't have a, a problem with that but then there may be somebody who who does so yet again it's another part of our teaching role where we have to to wear it up on our mind and think are we going to are we going to offend people or are we just showing what we're doing and what we're trying to understand so uh I don't have a don't have a concrete answer on that one my friend I'm afraid but I think we're at the point where we will have another listen to the news. And when we come back, we will conclude this evening's proceedings. I appreciate we've gone off in a lot of different directions, but I think it's been very interesting and I think the contributions have been great. So let's have a quick break. And when we come back, we will, yeah, we will try and see if we can draw some conclusions. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Colin's Big Cat. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk. Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure that Bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, 
offered a clear path to career progression and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are Witherslack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.witherslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. In Wales, as a response to the cost of living crisis, fuel and energy prices soaring and the imminent UK government tax rises, a £13 million package to help families pay for school uniforms and PE kits is to be announced. Families who are eligible for help through the PDG Access Grant will be provided with a one-off £100 top-up payment in 2022-23 to help with the costs of sending their children to school. The Pupil Development Grant is to be extended to learners in all school years who are eligible for free school meals. The PDG Access Grant is £125 per learner and rises to £200 for those learners entering Year 7. Education Minister Jeremy Miles said, In the midst of this Tory cost of living crisis, household budgets are under significant pressure, and many parents will be worried about how they can afford the things their children need for school. Those families in receipt of the PDG Access Grant will already be using the £200 to help pay for their children's school uniform. This extra payment will help cover the other costs, such as PE kits, school shoes and other equipment, helping household budgets to go a little bit further. I'm pleased we can provide a bit more help to families at this difficult time and remove some of the financial barriers to education. In anticipation of the arrival of 100,000 refugee children arriving in Britain from Ukraine, England's Education Secretary, Nadim Sahawi, has announced that the auto-translate software is being rolled out on online learning hub Oak National Academy to help pupils who speak Russian or Ukrainian. Speaking at the Association of School and College Leaders annual conference in Birmingham on Friday, Mr Sahawi said, We will continue to support Ukrainians in any way we can. I know schools are doing what they can to support and make sense of what they are seeing. And we are working with schools to ensure that the tens of thousands of Ukrainian children we will welcome to our shores will have a place in our education system. To support schools' efforts, I'm delighted to announce that Oak National Academy has today rolled out an auto-translate function across all 10,000 of its online lessons. This will allow Ukrainian children arriving in the UK to access education in their native language as they transition into life and safety in the UK. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn.
This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to look at fake news and scammers. We all know what a scammer is, but do we really know what fake news is? The NSPCC website explains fake news in an easy to understand way if you want to look a little deeper. However, basically it's disinformation as opposed to misinformation. Misinformation shared without knowledge or intent to harm. Disinformation is shared intentionally. Fake news is nothing new, but for most it's seen as a propaganda or a political tool to influence opinion. However, it's becoming more popular with scammers. I decided to see what happens when you actually follow a fake news advert. I've noticed recently popular social media apps and search engine adverts encouraging investment in cryptocurrency. One ad caught my eye as I was looking at the news headlines on a popular browser. It read, Elon Musk invests 12 million in a new trading platform. I trusted the search engine, so I clicked on the link. Because let's face it, anything Elon invests in is worth looking at. I was taken to a website showing how the company Bitcoin Motion had created an investment robot that invests when Bitcoin climbs and sells when Bitcoin falls. Because Bitcoin is a massively volatile currency, you can earn a large profit in a very short time. It sounds almost too good to be true. On the site, there's a report where Elon himself tells a popular American news presenter to invest $250, and within eight minutes, she's made a profit of $100. Scrolling down, there were testimonials from Dragon's Den, Money Supermarket, and other well-known established names. Next, a button to fill in a simple web form to sign up. I spent some time researching Bitcoin Motion. It was clearly fake. All endorsers had published statements saying they were nothing to do with it. So, I signed up. Within 30 seconds, I had a phone call from another company called FenoFX. Strangely, though, there was a distinctive call transfer noise. A silence before the connection. Why, if they phoned me? Hello? Hello? Hi, today am I speaking to Mr. Steve? Steve what? That's me. Steve, you're speaking to... And I was called Mr. Steve. I should have hung up. Anyway, I was then time pressured so I didn't miss out to give the big long number across my credit card, which I didn't do. So I was sent a WhatsApp message with a secure payment link. Again, I was pushed to open it on my cell phone and pay. I made my excuses and ended the call. A further five messages and calls, some from London, some from Sheffield, came, never leaving a message. The WhatsApp saying, I see you've not made your transaction. I'm calling to assist you. The recording I have is my final call with the supposed investment company on the 20th of march at 8pm on tom rogers show we're going to listen to this and discuss the topic why not join us i'm going to leave you with a final thought i was told to look at the website and see there was a padlock showing it was safe the padlock and certificate is proof your connection is encrypted it's not proof of how trustworthy the person on the other end is anyone can buy an ssl certificate please be careful as always don't forget to check out the tt radio 2022 twitter feed i'm steve woods and that was two minute tech two minute tech with steve woods your tech briefing on teachers talk radio welcome back to the twilight show with me lucy newberger and we are going to wrap things up for this evening so in conclusion uh the role of a teacher is uh, as complex as ever really isn't it i mean i think that as with many of my shows and many of my discussions, there is no sort of neatly, neat bow I can wrap this up in, which uh, is, I appreciate not especially helpful, but also I think it's indicative of, you know, where where we are in, in terms of this profession, that it's, there's a constant barrage of, of different things being thrown at us, the, the, the ever-changing world, the ever-changing environment that these children are growing up in the things that they're experiencing it all feeds into how they are in school and on any given day and and what what 
different hats we as teachers are going to are going to have to wear and it it depends on the child it depends on the on the day and i think that anyone going into this profession especially now needs to be mindful that god of the days if ever they existed of simply being that person who walks into classrooms and teaches lessons it's so much broader than that now and so much wider and and requires such a, a delicate balancing act and i i think i'd be wrong to say that i've 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 cracked it i most definitely have it almost every week uh almost every day i i I'm learning something new or I'm thinking about how I'm going to address something or how I'm going to help a particular child. And I think that's how it'll always be in this job until the day that, uh, you know, I, I decide I, either I can't do it anymore or my, my love for it has, has gone. I think that we just have to, we as teachers have to accept that teaching is never just going to be that. Um, I'd like to thank everybody who has contributed to proceedings this evening. I, I do appreciate it. I do appreciate the the input and the uh, allow indulging in me going off on different tangents and indulging in my whole sort of thought process on this. Um, what I will say is that going forward, I do hope to get some guests on. I do hope that uh, I can find some subjects that people want to, want to come and discuss. And if you do think of anything that you would like to come on and chat about, please do tweet me at Lucy New, L-U-C-E-E-N-E-U. I love having guests. I, I, I think I, I work better with somebody to, to bounce off and to, to share thoughts with. And I'm open to, to a whole range of topics within education. So if you or know, or you know of somebody that wants to, wants to be heard and wants to kind of get their thoughts out there, then please do, please do get in contact with me. I'm definitely receptive to that particularly as chatting uh, into the into the ether for, for an hour and a half by yourself it's great but it's 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 not quite as fun as, as having somebody there with you to, to to vibe off so do please do please uh, use me as somebody to to chat with and and to get in touch with I'd be enormously enormously grateful other than that, all that remains for me to say is have a lovely rest of the week. Enjoy your various dinners. I'm off to uh, to cook my tofu and to, for once in my life, not order a takeaway on a Tuesday, which is what I would normally do after this show. I'm trying to be better. I'm trying to cook more. And if I remember, I will post a photo for you as well as my um, any show notes that um, or any articles that I've talked about in this show. And uh, I look forward to chatting to you all again next week. Enjoy, be good, be safe, and stay well. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.